Hello, sports fans. You're in the group chat, and it's deja vu all over again as the Texans make a mistake near the end zone and lose to the Indianapolis Colts. No, it is not two weeks ago. It is yet again another <laughs> Texans loss in dramatically awful fashion. I actually did not feel all that badly about this loss. I thought this was a genuinely good performance, a nice effort by the Texans. They fell behind 14-0, right? Things like atrocious. Then Deshaun makes one play to hit David Johnson. Then Hanson scores a touchdown. And they played very competitively against a pretty good Indianapolis team for the second time in, in three weeks. It was just a super unfortunate way to end the game. That's how I feel about it. I'm with you. It didn't really hurt just because I think you've, although playoff chances were pretty much gone last time they played the Colts, you still felt like you were kind of playing for something. Yes. Uh, This one didn't feel that way. And honestly, this would have been the perfect game if the Texans still had their first round pick. Like I, I, that, that's how I look at this. Good point. If, if, if the Texans still had their first round pick that you couldn't have asked for a better game there. Uh, so I, I guess I'm kind of with Mike. It, it didn't feel as much like a punch to the junk as the, uh, as the, as the last time they played. And, and maybe I'm just a Kiki QT apologist. Maybe that kind of adds a little bit to it, but <laughs> I just, I, I didn't feel as defeated and as helpless as I did. Cause quite honestly, I didn't think they were, I thought they had a chance to compete in the last game just because Buckner was coming off the COVID list and, you know, the Texans were playing, a little bit better at the time, but I really didn't give them much of a chance today. So they actually surpassed my expectations. It ended up being a pretty nice game when it was 14, nothing. I thought, Oh my gosh, like this is going to be They're They're crushing Deshaun Watson. Basically every time he drops back uh, the defense put up no fight. And yet again, you know, Anthony Weaver's done this four or five times this year where they've had a really rough start. And then he's sort of gotten them to button it down a little bit. Um, but my big thing coming out of this is, there's so much, just so much of, like, I don't want to call it sloppiness, but there's so many little things that this team is not good at. There's so many disciplined things, just small things that winning football teams do that this Texans team doesn't do, that if the next coaching staff cleans that up, it might be worth two to three wins. Just the, some of the little things, like penalties in key times, clock management, timeout usage. Um usage of certain players. I mean, we saw David Johnson running wild on people catching the football out of the backfield. And it, it took until what is it, week 16, week 15 to get this. Um, when this is why, that's why you brought the guy here. There's just so many little things that this coaching staff's not capable of doing. Either it's cleaning up penalties or it's managing the clock, right. Or it's using players, right. That if the next coaching staff is average or above average, it might be worth one or two wins right off the bat, maybe three wins right off the bat, just improvement overall on some of the little things that good football teams do. I, I think an offensive scheme could definitely add a couple wins to this team. I, I, I think the, the right mindset, the, the right approach on offense could add two wins. So I'm with you on that. And, and, and I don't know how much help they really need on offense to be a good NFL offense. I'll say a top 10 offense. I'll, if you – if you just fill in some holes, maybe bring in a running back and maybe you could even run it back with these receivers and whatever you decide to do with Fuller and, you know, put some pieces on the interior line if you want. But even if you don't, I think this could be a good NFL offense. Defensively, though, I don't know where I <laughs> – I don't know what exactly the 
path is to fix this. And I'm watching Eric Murray. I, I want to focus on Murray because more than likely he's going to be here next year. Earlier this week or last week, he talked about how he's playing up out of position does that guy really look like somebody that can place is going to be a good safety for you like i i i don't know what i'm just looking at this whole defense and i'm looking at guys that are going to be back next year just tell me who you feel good about that's going to be back next year on defense a minute who you guys both feel good about him you see yeah i think he's got as a, a little promise as a rotational oh, defensive yes. lineman yes all right so you feel good about a minute who how do you feel about blacklock I don't feel a lot great. of questions. He, he got pushed back a lot today. I, I think with a new coaching staff, I give him a fresh start. He's one of six rookies that were healthy, drafted in the second round, who hasn't started a game. That's that's uh, that's a black lock thing right there. Yeah, I, don't it's a bad what, start. I don't know what to make of that. Grenard, do we know anything about Jonathan Grenard? Don't know nope. a thing. Nope. Uh, you feel good about Cunningham? Yeah. I mean, Solid he's getting on. paid market rate, but yes. I, <laughs> do they need to re- I would, ant- I would anticipate that a new defensive scheme, new defensive coordinator, he doesn't have such a slow start, and he cleans up some of his issues. Do they do they need to re-sign Tyrell Adams? Yes. Yeah, I, I would consider it because they're they're probably almost definitely going to cut Bernard McKinney, so it's a consideration. All right, Whitney. Taffy horrible. Uh, yeah, I think McLean was onto something when he mentioned Landry in your show post June first cut for Whitney. Okay, so you don't feel good about him. Roby, no. you feel okay about him coming back, right? Yep. I would bring back Hargraves on a minimum salary. I know that sounds dumb. I, I think you need to improve the depth. That's fine. And I, <laughs> I'm just saying, it's my fourth or fifth corner. I, I know it sounds funny, and I don't even know why I got to his name next, but I would bring back Hargraves but, on, on the minimum salary as like your fifth corner. Bringing back Vernon Hargraves as depth in your cornerback spot is like me saying I'm going to go on a diet but only eat ranch on my salads. Like well, well, stupid. every little bit matters. Well, I mean, you've no, obviously never heard of the keto diet, there, uh, Stutes. All right, Justin Reed. How do we feel about Justin Reed after year three? I think this is an interesting conversation too, because I think he could. I, I think I don't want to. I don't want to just completely dismiss Justin Reed. I don't want to do that, but I do want to kind of take a step back and say that the expectations I had for him going into this season and what type of player he can be. And I understand it wasn't all his fault, and I understand that it's got to be hard with the surroundings he has uh, and, and everything else going on and, and everything around him. I don't have as high a hopes for Justin Reed as I did heading into this season, but I still think he can be a solid player. I would, this offseason, investigate a contract extension because I, I want to keep him around, and I think you can do it, and I don't want a situation where he has a really good season next year, then you're paying, like, top dollar. Okay, so you basically want to try to – you want to keep your fingers crossed and hope that you get the type of deal with Justin Reed, and he, and he takes – and he becomes what we thought he was before this year. It's yeah. kind of like a Whitney Merciless deal before the Babylon. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That, that's kind of my thought process. I mean, I, I think about maybe maybe if I can't get a deal done, maybe you can franchise them the next offseason. Th- this is obviously like there are a lot of ways this one can go with Justin uh, Reed. All right. Now, just think about just think about the exercise we just did. OK, because I don't think anyone feels good about Eric Murray. It, you, you feel good about J.J. So I'm just leaving J.J. to the side. And we don't know if J.J. is going to be back next year. But think about what we did. We just laid out guys that are going to likely be back on defense next year. Did I leave anyone out? You left Bradley out that Roby. guy they tried to they tried to sneak out in the 98 uniform today, the fake DJ reader. Okay. 
So I just went through and, and, and named the guys on one of the worst defenses in the NFL that are coming back. And we did not – we said we liked a rotational defensive player. We like a Bradley Roby, who I guess is a solid corner. We don't know about Justin Reed, but they need to bargain him up. Tyrell Adams, maybe they need to sign him. Zach Cunningham, you feel good about, but there was Buster. Like, think about that. I, I say all that to say this and do this, that exercise to do this. Students feels good that a coach can, can, can add two wins with just better coaching. Yes, I agree. Offensively, if you get the right scheme, if Deshaun does what Deshaun do, yes. But how the fuck do you fix this defense? Seriously, well, I, I just don't see it. I, I, do have, I do have one idea, seriously. Uh, the Texans heading into this game were last in the NFL in turnovers forced. They have not forced any turnover since the Lions game. I think it's like three plus games, maybe three and a half games. I think Sean had this on his Twitter account. Um, now, obviously, part of a turnover stat is when you're a bad team, you're not going to force a lot of turnovers because you're playing from behind and teams are going to run and not throw it. Right. But to me, they are so statistically bad in turnovers that it is almost guaranteed to get better next season on turnovers. They will get a dead cat bounce in 2021. I will guarantee that. I mean, c- c- cool. Are you going to stop putting linebackers on T.Y. Hilton? Like, that's what you that's what I well, want to know. Like, I'm just saying I'm just saying like Landry's, that, like Landry's exercise there was about the lack of talent and the, the necessity to have if they're here or not, regardless the necessity to have money tied up on guys that aren't useful players. And that's an unfortunate aspect of this defense. And I just don't see, I mean, look in the NFL on defense, you have to have ass kickers and this team doesn't have any ass kickers outside of JJ on defense. Yeah. Adams and, and Cunningham together seem like a solid combo, but I don't think that anybody's really scared. The Colts still ran for uh, well over a hundred yards on them uh, two weeks after the Texans, you know, shut them down for a half of football. So the Colts were ready for that. So you can clearly scheme out those in middle linebackers who are solid. You just don't have any ass kickers and you don't have a way to add any ass kickers either. I mean, look at San Francisco. Robert Sala is a really good coach. Robert Sala doesn't have any of his ass kickers. So the Cowboys light them up. Like they get lit up all the time because all their ass kickers are gone. Like when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, they had a bunch of ass kickers on defense. Okay, like you, you don't have a way to add any war daddies on defense, and that's where the big concern is for this defense, unless you just have four bargains hit for you, but that never happens. Yeah, I just think defensively, you're looking at a situation where they're gonna have to bring in a lot of guys, you know, around the minimum or, or for pretty cheap. If you had an average defense in 2021, I think it would be a major win. And if it were me running things, I would just be, or whoever comes in to run things, I'd be looking at this and saying, okay, this is going to be a, a gigantic reclamation project on defense. I'm not going to be able to fix it all in one offseason, to say the least. But at least one thing that should be going for me as it relates to the 2021 season is I think just by the odds, they will force more turnovers. But I, I agree, Cody, with the heart of what you're saying. The defense is a major issue. The, the biggest issue, and, and this is this is ridiculous that I even have to say this, but this this is this is the this is what has to happen, and it shouldn't be fucking hard. Like this this is not difficult. Like I don't the, the fact that I'm even having to having to lay this out there doesn't make any sense to me. The next GM who comes in, however he decides he wants to spend his fucking money, needs to make sure that where that money spends, that there's some sort of payoff on the field. In other words, if you're going to trade a third round pick for a running back and then you're going to trade the best player on the team for a running back and you're going to be paying said running backs $15 million, which is top five in the league 
for money dedicated to that position, then your running back better not be one of the biggest problems of the season. If you're going to use a second round pick and a first round pick and then another first round pick and then another two second round picks and then make some guy one of the highest paid centers in the league because he likes to bring uh, weight room equipment to his house and then make a left tackle the highest paid offensive lineman ever because he has all the leverage, then your offensive line better not be a problem. If you're going to trade a receiver, then you're going to pay a receiver $10 million despite the fact he's 30 years old, or you're going to bring in another guy and trade a second-round pick. You better make sure your receivers are good. Like, that's that's a very small ask from a GM, but if you're going to spend money, at least make it worthwhile for where the money is going. They might as well just start flushing money down the toilet with some of the stuff that they've done lately. An annoying aspect, too, is like, I mean, this isn't Amazon. You can't return this thing that you bought. Like you, you like you have to play Ross Blacklock. You have to play John Grenard. Like those guys have to play football for your team, especially because they're cheap and they're going to be on this defense. Like when you spend that money, like you ha- like David Johnson needed to run more pass routes than he ran before today. They yep. didn't use him. They didn't throw the ball to Duke Johnson before this. Like it's just piling on to what Landry said. Like they they have these investments. They're on your team. And then you 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 sold us a bill of goods that it was going to be A and then you did B with it. And you sold you sold that you paid Eric Murray 6 million dollars. You paid Randall Cobb 10 million dollars. Brandon Cooks w- was worth a second round pick because it was going to be a veteran year. That's what you said. You said the rookies don't know anything. And you were asked many times and you thought that you, you, you thought you were so fucking smart that you, you were just going to buy all these veterans and you're, and you're going to bring in these veterans and say it's a veteran year. You know what I watched Saturday night? I watched the one seed in the NFC have six rookies getting significant to, uh, playing time. Over 10 rookies on their active roster, the Green Bay Packers. That's what I watched. I watched the Colts today have – three of their best 15 players drafted in the second or third round. There's no young talent on this team. There's no, there, there's no young talent on this Texans team right now. And that's a problem because all the good teams have young talent. They have oh, none. And they don't have a first or second round pick this year. Boom. So, you better, so you better have the, the GM that comes in this year. If you do want to increase the talent, you can still get more wins. But at the end of the day, it's going to be very hard to put enough talent on the field that's going to, as Cody, ass kickers, as Cody says, they're going to be able to just flat out compete. So you're, you're fighting an uphill battle there, and I, I, it's very simple. It's very easy. If you're going to spend money, make sure that it actually matters, and if and and don't have this attitude that rookies don't matter because all around the league, rookies are contributing. Well, the rookies don't matter thing is to me the one thing about O'Brien that makes me the most mad, even two plus months after his firing. Like it, it's just, it, it's almost as it, it's so flat out stupid that it, that I almost feel angry that he got fired. So he doesn't have to answer questions about this because if he was still the head coach, like I'd want people to like, basically just keep hammering him with those questions. Like it's, it, it's honestly equi- the equivalent of if I had told you January 5th, like, Guys, 2020 is going to be a great year. There's not going to be any pandemics or anything like it's that level of wrong. It's unbelievable how wrong he was about these rookies. It's crazy. 
Well, and it's the, the annoying part is, is not only that it's not like somebody else picked him and he hates that guy and he refuses to play him. He picked the damn guys, him and him and Jack picked the guys. And I, I mean, I went through it last night for an article for SI that I put up this morning, just all the people in the second round that are just really solid players. And I know Landry's hit on it a bunch of times from the Jonathan Taylors and JK Dobbins at the running back position to LaVisca Chenault, KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool at wide receiver, Denzel Mims when he's been healthy at wide receiver, the safeties, my God, could they use a safety Antoine Winfield at safety? Um, the kid, uh, Jeremy chin, um, yeah, he's 13th, good. 14th start today. Yeah. Or this like, weekend. It's just, it's just really annoying that they didn't, not all, I mean, it's one thing. Cam Akers. Cam Akers. Cam Akers. <laughs> it, 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 I'm more and more annoyed. With the, player, Dobbins. The, the players yep. are what the players are at this point. Like, you know, what, whatever Ross Blacklock could turn into, whatever Jonathan Grenard could turn into. Okay. Like, did you, Anthony Weaver says this week, oh, well, well Brandon Dunn's gone. And, well, Ross Blacklock doesn't play the same position as him. I don't even know what that means. Okay, we'll run a different fucking defense so that he can get on the field then. Then, yeah. put, well, then, uh, then, put, then put Forbes on the field hey, and let hey, him be one of them. Hey, I want to put you on the spot right now. You are going to laugh your ass off at this because I was trying to do this in my head to think if there would be a right answer to it. Real quick, okay. right off the dome, you both have to do this. You ready? Nope. Yep. You, have to, you have to spit the answer out in 60 seconds. Okay. Give me the top three offseason moves from the Texans 2020 offseason. The top three best moves. Go. All right. Resigning Bradley Roby's of the contract he got. Uh, resigning, resigning John Weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, however, the hell they got Tyrell Adams on this team. I don't even know if that was this past offseason. <laughs> no, he. I, I think. Well, I think it was an addition last year, and then he just kind of rolled over because those those. Lower- no, seriously, try. Um. So Roby's clearly won, even with the suspension. Yes. Because his contract is like a normal looking contract. Although that was not smooth at all. That was real. I don't know what was going on there. Like, yeah, that was kind of weird. And he wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Roby has to be one. Okay. This is hmm. crazy. The, uh, PJ Hall. Oh, yeah. PJ Hall. Yeah. PJ yeah, Hall. Yeah. 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 Before, before he hurt his arms. Yeah. So one Roby two PJ Hall. Uh, didn't they extend anger this offseason? I, no, I don't Did know. They? Cause he came in. Remember he wasn't the punter the whole year last year. Was he? No, no he was not because they had Trevor Daniel. So they had they to have given him an extension. They extended fair bear. Well, I if gonna, I consider that a good move, I mean, I, I'm going to say that I, I'm going to say anger. Well, actually, you know, we can't quote be, that was actually remember in that spate of re-signings late in December last year. So it was actually within the 2019 regular season. So that doesn't even count the anger resigning. Hanson, oh, wow. Hanson was already on the practice squad. Yeah. Maybe Hanson. Scotty Phillips looks decent. CJ ah, Prosize. CJ Prosize. Are we serious? See, that's what I'm saying. I know. I'm, I'm, really I'm literally scanning up and down this roster trying to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, CJ Prosize, PJ Hall, and uh, Bradley Roby resigned. How about signing Michael Thomas? He was a good spokesman for the team. No. <laughs> oh man, that's that's not great. That's not great. And you want to talk about good off seasons? One one AFC South teams off season just got a lot better. 
You're going to make me sick. Well, listen, I mean, they honestly, I can tell you guys this. I did not for a second in the last week, even consider the possibility the Jets would win this game. Not only was it against the Rams, not only was on the road. Remember the last time the Rams played? It was Thursday night against the Patriots. They were coming off of the mini bye. They have a top five head coach. That's brutal. And now we got to watch. Now we're going to get to watch Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, the two greatest quarterbacks in Clemson football history, square off twice a year for at yep. least five years, maybe more. Is there any chance that the Colts in week 17, I was trying to figure out the situation. Like, is there a chance that that game may not mean anything? Probably not because Tennessee plays uh, Green Bay next week, which could be a loss. It'll it'll mean something for um, seeding. It's almost definitely going to mean something. I'll I'll say this right now, and and I think this is what makes whoever owns the Jets different from Sasha Khan. There is no way he will let his team win the next two weeks. There is no chance in hell Sasha Khan, who's trying to bring in fans to the stadium. I mean, they've been begging for fans to show up to that stadium for a while, uh, begging for renovation with their relationship with London. There is no way that that organization will allow that team to win, to, to win one of the next two games. So Trevor Lawrence is going would, to, would, to, to be in Jacksonville. I don't know what he does. I don't know what happens. There is no way they win. Would you agree he's the most talked about quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck? Yeah, and honestly, what has me even more terrified of Trevor Lawrence is watching Justin Herbert because they kind of remind me of each other the way that they Mm -hmm. play, except Lawrence is even better in college. So I I think watching Herbert and, you know, the the kind of style that he plays and the the throwing on the run and, you know, the tall dude that's mobile – that has me even more terrified of Justin uh, of uh, Trevor Lawrence than I was before. Yeah. I don't know how to really spin it in a way that's going to be a positive. I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe, maybe for the long, long term, maybe Indianapolis and Tennessee fans are worried because at least Watson and Lawrence are younger guys, but yeah, I don't really see many flaws in Trevor Lawrence. Like, I know he's thrown some interceptions here and there, but you look at the size, his running ability, his arm strength, and you look at the young talent on Jacksonville, plus having the, the extra picks here. Uh, yeah, I, it's going to be a big, big problem. Andrew Luck threw more interceptions. Now he played a few more games than Lawrence did. And, well, actually, 13-13 and 12 for Luck, and he had 22 interceptions. Lawrence has played 15-15, and he'll play 11 this year. I guess um, – so yeah, I mean, and he has 16 right now. So, I mean, I guess usually even if you have an all-time great quarterback in your division, typically it it's not like Brady in New England. Like even with Rodgers, it's not like they're winning the NFC North literally every single season. Uh, but yeah, I'm really trying to. I'm really reaching here. Like it's 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 a big problem. It's it's probably the worst thing that happens to the Texans today is the Jets win against the Rams because. I don't necessarily fully agree with Landry's point because I think there's only so much that these organizations can do. The coaches and players are going to try to win, but I agree that the odds are like, they're probably not beating the bears or the Colts and they're probably getting Lawrence. You you know, what's nuts. And I was looking at this. I mean, would you off the top of your head when I ask you this and I probably gave it away a little bit, Deshaun Watson versus Trevor Lawrence, who do you think had more college passing yards? Just quick, 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 quick. I'll go Watson. Okay. Who do you think had more college passing touchdowns? Lawrence. 
So Lawrence is two behind Watson on the touchdowns. I don't think he's going to catch him on the yards because he's only playing two games and Deshaun's probably, it looks like about 600 ahead of him. Like I did not realize Deshaun had that many statistically impressive games that he fit. I mean, they're the two there. I mean, Taj Boyd. Okay, sure. But Taj Boyd wasn't a highly touted prospect coming out. They're the two most gifted quarterbacks to come out of college football, including the statistics with them in, you know, recent memory, because it's, I mean, it's just incredible statistically what both those guys have done. The fact they both went to the same school, played for the same coach and, Lawrence is going to maybe going to have the opportunity to eclipse Deshaun because he'll, he'll have played in three ships and maybe win two. The other pro- uh, thing that I think is a problem with this whole thing is I don't think people realize, and I don't expect them to, how much talent there is on offense for Jacksonville. I mean, that they, they are a good quarterback away from being a pretty dangerous team. DJ Shark's been banged up this year. He's a stud. Uh, they got the rookie out there doing his thing, uh, two of them. Uh, Robinson is, is a really, really good running back. Uh, and they're also going to have two firsts and two seconds. Like, if you just look at – there's one team that traded for two first-round picks, and then there's another team that traded two first-round picks in a second, and they're just kind of heading in different directions if you just look at the actual talent. Because I think – I think Jacksonville, you can make a case if you took away the quarterback position and you just focused on the skill positions, I think they're probably second best in the division, although you can make a case for the Colts, although T.Y. Hilton's going to be a free agent. I don't know if Pittman's quite ready to be in the same caliber, but I think you can make make a case that Jacksonville, before Trevor Lawrence, if you just look at the receivers, running backs, tight ends, might have the second best set of skill position guys uh, behind the Titans. Yeah, again, I'd love to spin it this some other way. I think what's frustrating is the Texans trump card in this division moving forward is, well, yeah, these other teams, other teams are clearly better run Indianapolis, Tennessee, but the Texans have Watson. Well, if the Jaguars end up with Trevor Lawrence, then that may not be the trump card anymore. If, if, if Trevor Lawrence, if Trevor Lawrence is even ju- like a, 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 even a little less of a version of Justin Herbert, then that, that kind of goes, that kind of, diminishes doesn't it what do you mean well i mean it kind of takes away from the oh well they have watson because i'm not saying he's not great but if but i'm assuming that people think trevor lawrence is at least going to be in the same tier as deshaun watson yeah i think so yeah so the the appeal the appeal from a coaching perspective a gm perspective or even a perspective of hope it 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 went down uh with with that loss i mean there is no doubt about the jets absolutely screwed Houston screwed them. Quick little addition to Jacksonville's offseason. Currently, overthecap.com has them with the most uh, cap space for next year, too. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, I don't know what I don't know if the guy knows what he's doing. And they got some they got some guys on defense that can play too. They're they're just they just need a few holes to to fill now. Did today, and if the results stay the same like they're supposed to, and Jacksonville ends up with the number one pick. Is Jacksonville ahead of te- the Houston Texans as both a GM spot and a head coach spot? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I, I, without I, without, without a question. That's not, I, if, if, if you get Trevor Lawrence and uh, three picks early and the young start. talent that they already got, the young talent they already got, yeah. it's not even 
fuck. It's not I even mean, close. Especially yeah. the GMs, but even the the potential head coaches, they're going to look at the, the, at that. And I think people like the idea of having a fresh start, having a clean slate, plus some really usable uh, pieces that are young on Jacksonville. I I don't know how I would argue that the Texans' situation is any better. I don't know how I'd make that argument at this point, at this very moment. Is the okay? So you know we played this game a few weeks ago. We believe the Jaguar situation is ahead of the Texans. Landry just talked about him. Are the Chargers in their situation? Are they ahead of the Texans? Now they're just hiring it's a coach. They're not hiring it's, a GM, but they're just hiring a coach. It's closer. I worry that they're cursed. I think their GM is actually pretty good, <laughs> which is ironic because they're going to be picking so high two straight years. But yeah, I mean, I think they have some talent. I, I just think that they, they're they not well coached. Their game management is a com- complete catastrophe. But yeah, like if you told me on paper, I'd say the Chargers are a little bit better, although I have more faith in Watson than Herbert, but both are obviously at a very, very high level. That's That might be sp- uh, splitting hairs. I would tell you that I think um, I, I I think that there's no way Robert Sala ends up with the Houston Texans because there's two spots that he would prefer to be at besides the Texans based on what they have and what they have available to him. I, I think it's setting up to where if if Lewis Riddick is interviewing in Jacksonville and Jacksonville truly wants Lewis Riddick and truest uh, and Lewis Riddick truly has his pick of the three organizations. I think it's a no brainer at this point. You don't have expectations. You don't have a quarterback making, you know, what Deshaun's making. Uh, you have a lot of stuff to, to play with. You would have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he would be coming in basically with you. You basically be linked with Trevor Lawrence. You get to pick your coach. Like if I'm a GM, the Jacksonville situation as it's set up right now, as bad as that organization, you know, is, is looked at and as bad as revenue is and as bad as, you know, the win losses have been outside of 2017. I don't think you could ask for a better situation for a GM than that. I, just let, lay something better out for me than that. that, that there, I don't know how it gets much better. And that's not to say they're going to be good or anything right now. There's a lot of uncertainty, but there's also a hell of a lot of reason for hope in Jacksonville. Hell of a lot of reason. Texans fans better need to be praying the Jaguars make the wrong choice at head coach. That, well, I, that's I, what I'm getting out of this conversation. I, I think Robert Sala is going to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What makes you say that? Well, he, that's where he coached before he coached in San Francisco. Okay. And um, I, I think it with the young defensive talent they have, he brings in someone to run sort of that, uh, that Shanahan offense that works great with Lawrence's skill set. They use the other pickle, maybe an offensive lineman. They, you know, spend, fill in a hole here or there. And you want a big, you know, Landry's big, big nobody's talking about guy. Robert Sala, Lebanese descent, Shad Khan, Pakistani descent. Ah. Lebanon and Pakistan have a very good relationship. Very good. Now that is something nobody. That is the about. that is the definite. That is the Michael Jordan of nobody's talking about right there. Good lord, <laughs> that is God. that is tremendous. <laughs> that it's all downhill from here, Stutes. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if I buy your ultimate idea, but the logic is is impenetrable at this point. 
<laughs> oh, man. Oh, you know what? Interview. Uh, this is very recency bias for the Texans. I'm going to add one name to our like weekly discussion list. I know that the Jets won today. I would talk to Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator of the Rams, because he seems to be the rage. And I'd be interested in talking to somebody like that. Get in on the ground floor of somebody you know is going to be a head coach in the next couple of years. Kind of like Joe Brady, just way less known. So the, the, the defensive McVeigh, basically? Exactly. He is the defensive coordinator of, of the Rams. Do- Young guy. He's had his star. Uh, apparently, I was listening to podcasts where people are basically saying that a lot of people on the NFL are copying what the Rams are doing defensively. Does he get to bring Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey? I didn't say that. He's going to bring his schemes. I mean, I mean, it kind of sounds kind of sounds EB like, I mean, we, we know that the Texans on defense are going to be a giants rebuild. There's just no other way to, there's no other way to, to really cut. You, you heard it here first. Mike Meltzer thinks that the Rams DC can turn Ross Blacklock into Aaron Donald. <laughs> that would be nice. What, what's, what is the, what is the, I mean, legitimately what's the actual Texans coaching list right now? And then coaches that they that they absolutely could get to say yes. It's Eric Bieniemy, it's Matt Eberflus, and I don't I don't think they were going to interview Joe Brady. Unfortunately, I would like for them to, but I don't think they're going to. How do you how do you know this? What, what is it? What is this based on? What is that? What is that sentiment based on? It's based on my my uh, my vibe, you know. Your vibe. Okay. Well, I'm just curious if you, if you've been talking to people and such, Uh, I I mean, I just don't see how Joe Brady sits across from Cal McNair and Cal McNair can justify on a base level. Hey, yeah, I know it's Teddy Bridgewater and I know we have Deshaun Watson, but it it, sometimes it hadn't looked good and it's Bridgewater's fault. Like I'll say it's Bridgewater's fault, but sometimes it hadn't looked good in Carolina. So I feel like that. I feel like Cal would be worried. It's a hard sell. Uh, I, I, I disagree with you on, on that logic. I, I think they would not reject Brady for that. They would not reject Joe Brady because of Carolina's offense. That to me is, I don't think anybody expected them to really compete this season. Um, I think it's more so that it's hard to take a chance on a coach who's so young, given how high stakes of a decision this is. And ultimately, if I was like, if I was betting on it, guys like Sala, Eberflus, and especially Bienemy feel like much safer choices if we were like actually betting on this choice in Vegas, right? I'm just wondering who we're not mentioning that's going to come up because it's going to be somebody. There's going to be some random interview that we don't see coming. And I, I just wonder, I wonder who it could be. Do, do, do we want to put together a, uh, a homework assignment for next week and see if we can come up with the most left field interview candidate? As long as you don't say like Bill, as long as you don't say like Bill Cowher or Jimmy Johnson. Oh no! But yeah, like, I think I think we can definitely do the, that. Yes. The, the the nobody's talking about list of candidates. Let's I think see, we can, I think we can do that. Let's see if you can find some heritage relationships. That by uh, the way, we we uh, we haven't really talked since last episode since this this happened like Wednesday or so. What did you guys think about the interview of Lewis Riddick? The, the first of all, Lewis Riddick himself and the timing of that. I, I'm all about hiring Riddick I think he would do a good job I I went back and listened to some of the stuff he said when it was going on whether it be clowny situation how he handled that Tom Savage versus Osweiler Watson after week one he seemed to be on top of all those decisions the only thing he was wrong about was Kevin Johnson he was very high on him but other than that's fine uh you're gonna be wrong on some stuff It, it happens but I'm on board with Lewis Riddick. The toughest part about these general manager conversations is we don't know what they were responsible for it's just a guess 
And ultimately, unless they are previously a general manager, we don't know if the GM overruled them or made them do something or whatever, but Lewis Riddick was the director of pro personnel for the Eagles when they put together that dream team off season. And then they had an eight and eight year. And then Namdi that was Namdi Asamoa. It was uh, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie, Vince. Vince Young, Ronnie Vince. Brown, um, Evan Mathis, the How dumb were we? And um, so, I mean, he was the director of pro personnel. You would think that that falls under his umbrella to make sure that the free agents are on the up and up. Ultimately, Howie Roseman makes the decisions and it's, it falls on him. But again, I, I don't know what Lewis Riddick has been responsible for in the National Football League. Um, but I know that I haven't seen one person talk bad about him. And that's an improvement I, I, over Bill O'Brien's status as a general manager, over Jack Easterby's status as a general manager. I think that's the thing. I think Lewis is somebody who he has a pretty good background. He was a player in the NFL. He has a solid resume as an executive. I think when you, when I look at the Eagles situation, it's more that he has the stamp of approval, approval of being in personnel at a high level of what I think is one of the more respected NFL organizations. When, he, when you see him on TV, he seems like a good-looking, intelligent guy. He's smart. He understands football. And just on the basis of that, would I hire him over what we have now? Of course. Is he a better candidate than these other guys around the NFL? I have no clue. If you're asking me yay or nay on, on Riddick, based on his resume, what I see on TV every week, I'd say, yeah, sure, worth a shot. If, if I'm going to be unfair and grade him off of the other TV guy, I would say no, because Mike Mayock, I don't believe, has done a very good job at Oakland, but I also don't think that's all but, Mike Mayock. I, yeah, I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, Mayock is I mean, a GM, but he doesn't have final say. He drafted Cleveland Farrell, what was it, fourth overall? Like, mm-hmm. there's the safety they drafted stinks. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, so the other, the other TV guy didn't do any good. So, you know, does that hurt Lewis Riddick in, in, in the court of public opinion? I don't know, maybe. That John Lynch is doing good, though. Exactly. That's true. That's true. That wouldn't affect my that wouldn't affect my thought process personally. It's really about the fit between the GM and the head coach. I mean, ultimately, aren't all these GMs going to have to? I mean, a lot of teams are trying to find a GM because they need a quarterback. Aren't I mean a lot that's solved for the next GM? So you got to find. I mean, if the guy's never hit on a quarterback before, like that's fine. The quarterback situation solved for you. Like, just go find other guys, you know, figure out what the deal is with the other, you know, 52 spots on the roster. Yeah, I mean, this is why it's going to be critical to this. This is almost obvious analysis, but like they have to find somebody who has an eye for talent, who's going to be able who like loves the idea of bringing in undrafted guys or guys on cheap contracts, because that's what a lot of this offseason is going to be. So I'd love to know the philosophy of, of whoever they bring in on what their thought process is on rebuilding like the bottom third of a roster, because that's going to be like the major project for them this upcoming offseason. By the way, I hate Mike Devlin. I just wanted to say that. He's so like, awful. Like the longer the longer we go, I feel like like I actually I I, I like Tim Kelly because I think he's done a, a a respectable job for the last two and a half months. Devlin is like the lingerer of lingerers at this point. It's unbelievable. I don't know how he wasn't fired. Like of of all the stuff that didn't happen in, in hindsight, I don't know how he's kept his job the last six years. What, what has he done to to justify? It's it's been the problem all six years, no matter what, no matter who you bring in, no matter who you sign, no matter who you draft, no matter how much money you invest, like the offensive line has remained the problem. I, I don't understand it. Who's gotten better? 
I think Cody asked this question. Who has gotten better in six years? Who? Who's gotten better? I mean, Tyus Howard's gotten better, but that's a premier talent. Laramie Tunsil has been solid, but that's a premier talent. Non-premier talent. So non-first-round picks. Mike Devlin has made everybody worse. Yes. Or 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 or, or nobody's gotten better. And and worse to the point where they have... They have the worst running game in the league. And now I'm watching a game like this when they run it like 21 times for 83. And I'm watching again. I'm like, not bad. <laughs> like, that's and how I'm watching the game. They had two legitimate, really good offensive line talents that once he got in here, he assessed that they weren't good enough for what they wanted to do and had a hand in Ben Jones and Brandon Brooks leaving the building. Yes. And by the way, if someone creates a documentary or writes an oral history on the Texans left guard position in 2020, I will be probably your only viewer slash reader, but I would read that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Brent Cuvale back in the mix, the whole, the whole game. <laughs> when was that even a, when was that even a thing? I thought that was like the ultimate emergency. Yeah. I don't I'm, know. Well, and here's the I don't thing. Get it. Uh, Charlie Heck will be active next week because I would assume a concussion keeps Titus Howard out for at least next week, maybe the rest of the season. I mean, I mean, David Johnson went to the IR with a concussion. When did Sunil um, Kelamite start being so good all of a sudden, too? I don't know what the hell they're doing at left guard. Like, I, I honestly, I don't have a clue what the, what the rhymes or rhythms of the rotation are. I, it doesn't make well, any sense to me. Speaking of the 2019 draft class, uh, Kahale Waring, first career catch. Congratulations. He had a couple. Yes. He did slime season on that one. He kind of showed, showed, showed a little something. I was kind of impressed he, with the slime season afterwards. He's got confidence. He's only reposted it four times on Instagram so far. Oh, has he? Exactly. <laughs> he's ready, man. It's just, he, he's... He, He's ready to make some moves. He, well, he, I, he ran that one route that wasn't a route. He just kind of like got in the way of the DBs. Like, I, I will say this. The, the one catch, despite Greg Gumbel claiming he was wide open, he was not. It was a pretty well done contested grab. So he looked like he actually belonged on the field, which could possibly be something. Plus, he's got to keep the tradition going with his draft class. Like, that's kind of a thing. Like, you, your team loses by a lot. You have a couple highlight plays, even though it wasn't a great game and you keep posted on social media. He's just getting his Titus Howard on. Uh, has Lonnie Johnson claimed that it wasn't his job to stop anybody yet on Twitter? Well, who was responsible for the uh, T.Y. Hilton coverage thing? Because obviously, so they had Anthony a linebacker Weaver. carry him. That was you Anthony, say, we- Anthony Weaver's fault. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, because like after the play, Lonnie Johnson was talking to A.J. Moore and he was like pointing at his helmet but then if you look at the all 22 or like the, 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 the overhead shot they showed on that side, on the T.Y. Hilton side, Lonnie was on that side. Moore was on the other side. So I don't know what Moore's supposed to do. Like, I'm assuming whoever the safety is should be giving the over the top help to the linebacker. And the safety on that side is Lonnie Johnson. If, if people disagree, that's fine. But that's what I saw in that play. Romeo, I don't, I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to pretend like I'm some defensive coordinator, but Romeo said after the game, that's a split safety defense that we have. And we hope that we could get some overlap from a safety, depending on what they see and which way they break. But Tyrell Adams has a lot of responsibility of running with that through the middle. And then hopefully we get a safety to come over and help out. Well, you didn't. You put put Tyrell Adams on T.Y. freaking Hilton. So T.A. got his ass whooped by T.Y. on that play. And it's this this also goes back to they just don't have good safeties. I mean, I think I think there's a chance that a good safety doesn't make that look as foolish. Lonnie sure. Lonnie kind of jumped Lonnie kind of jumped to the 
to the other side of the field where he thought that it was going to go. And, and by the time he tried to try to catch up, he was behind. But I, I think good safeties might be able to mask that system. Now, why am I even saying that? This defensive system is probably squashed too. But I think that's – I don't know. I, 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 don't, I guess I'm trying to defend Romeo. I don't know why. Screw me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing there either. <laughs> I do like that Tyrell Adams uh, just brings the absolute wood on some cats, though. He he won me over with uh, his uh, hard hits today and the hundred plus tackles before that. And in fairness, Ty did not go off today. No, he didn't. Uh, he hit the over on his yards in Vegas, though. Okay. So there was that. Don't ask me how I know. I will have to eat crow on something about a month into the season. I'm like, man, I like Chris Bound a lot as a GM, but him paying Philip Rivers over Cam was a terrible decision. So I've got to eat major crow on that one because I don't know what Rivers is going to do in the postseason, but he's had a good enough regular season to where, yeah, that was the right move. Also, uh, DeForest Buckner's what going to be a first team all pro, right? Yeah, I think so. I haven't studied it, but yes, three sacks, two tackles for loss, four quarterback hits on a sprained ankle. Lay out their whole draft. And the, uh, we were talking to Kevin Bowen about this this <laughs> oh, week. God. In um, what, you hate Kevin Bowen? No, I, I hate the fact that I, I hate the fact that they're drafting so well and we're uh, stuck in whatever we're stuck in. Oh, well, their first round pick, they traded for DeForest Buckner. Yep. Their two second round picks, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. Their third round pick, Julian Blackman. They got other guys going on, including Blankenship's uh, an undrafted guy. Like, if you just lay out how they use their draft picks, their assets, and you just look at how improved their team is in all three phases, it's actually pretty damn remarkable <laughs> when you look at it, not just from this year, but moving forward. You mean you only have to give up one first round pick? for a premium position and you can then sign him to an extension before the season starts. Apparently crazy. That's crazy. Apparently, I thought that was against the rules. It's it's, they're really a well-run franchise. I mean, they really are GM head coach, the whole thing, defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator slash future head coach. Yes, that Atlanta- challenge, by the way, I, I know we're not talking about the game as much. That challenge by Frank Reich, not a lot of coaches see that. And it, it, the Texans ended up getting the procedure penalty and it moved them yep. back. They had, ended up having to settle for a field goal uh, when Phillips was on the sideline. That was I didn't even know what he was challenging, quite honestly, just watching it with the naked eye. I didn't even think that maybe he was short, but that was a hell of a challenge by Frank Reich, a guy who, by the way, Despite the fact we praise him a lot, he's done some pretty dumb shit against the Texans his, you know, nearly three years coaching against them. Well, remember, uh, second time in three weeks, because a couple of weeks ago, he had the excellent challenge on T.Y. Hilton's catch where he barely got his feet in bounds along the sideline. So he's been, yeah, he's been really good at that. The Texans' red zone has been a major issue, which I attribute to the combination of horrible running game and the fact that they don't have like a big receiver they can go to. So you can't go to Cooks or somebody like that. That's why they had to settle for two field goals. Yep, yep. And you know, Kiki holds on to the ball, but you know, we're not, we're not, we're not giving up on Kiki. Okay, we're not Bill O'Brien. We're not giving nope. up on Kiki. He's all right. Kiki's okay. He's yep. okay in my. Up, Keep throwing him out there. He just he, he just finally played his twentieth NFL game. Finally, so 
it's you know and that and he wasn't even playing for some of those where he was active so those some of those don't even count so good points basically just passed a rookie and he's going to get even better the chemistry is clear between him and deshaun watson all right gentlemen good stuff indeed